0: Well, hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Orion alongside me is i a... so. where did that voice come from? Hello. <laughs> <What> <laughs> hello. It's my podcast voice. I <laughs> my
1: telephone voice. I swear to God, if he can't get the first sentence out, there is no hope. There is no hope.
0: It's been a really it has been a really tricky week, I have to say. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Ori and alongside me is my co-host Pippa Sturt. Hi Andy. Hello Pippa. (laughs) This episode is part of a mini series of episodes about the music business, talking to pivotal figures in the industry. And we couldn't have a better first guest. Rodney P, if you don't know who he is, is considered the godfather of UK hip-hop amongst many other great accolades. And he's also one of my favourite rappers. And so we are honoured to join by Rodney. How are you, you doing, bro? How you doing? Right, How you doing, man. Andy? How you doing, people? Nice to see you. Good, it.
1: thanks. Is it hard being really, really cool and also a father? Because <laughs> your family do not think of you that way, exactly,
2: right? Exactly. Like, exactly. And plus, my son just turned 18. So my, my, my firstborn just turned 18. So he has his friend circle who know me as the artist.
1: But surely think everything you do is slightly lame because he's your kid,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. So like sometimes his friends will say, yeah, your dad's quite cool. And he'll be like, no, he's not, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And then like I took my daughter's, there's an exhibition at the moment in the Saatchi Gallery. He's celebrating the 50 years of hip hop, which is yeah. And I'm in quite a few sections of it. Nice. Thought, Let me take my. So kids. you wander just, around, thinking, yeah. You
1: know with a big arrow.
2: They couldn't care less. Like it was so, you know. But but it's but that is also quite freeing. So I don't have to be Rodney P at home. You know, I can. I'm just dad. Like yeah. you know, who often gets overlooked and. Did you stand? <laughs>
0: did, you, did you stand near your bit and just sort of wait around a I bit? Hope for somebody someone, notices you. go on, to just you know, just have a pen ready. You yeah, know? but it didn't happen. All right, so now let's de- let's delve into that a bit more. I mean, I know music's obviously uh, been your life, but you know, what do you what do you think is bullshit in the music business right now?
2: <laughs> I think the music business is pretty much bullshit and always has been. And there's a separation between the music and the business. That's always been the case. And I think that within the business, it's, it's so snidey and, and corrupting that it often affects the artistry. And I think when, when, when musicians are forced into positions where they have to, to work out the business, it affects the artistry. And, and you can't trust many people. I mean, the amount of groups and individuals that I've seen just, as you said, implode because they could no longer trust each other. And any simple things like one member of the group will speak with a publisher who will give them an insight to how publishing works. And when they come back to the rest of the group, they'll try to sign all of their publishing. Instead of saying, you know, this is how it works and this is where the money is and this is where we can all you know, like build some legacy for our kids when we're dead. They'll then come and sign everyone else's publishing to their new publishing deal like or a new publishing company that they've just set up. And I think it's that, that lack of willingness to share the information. But
0: why, is that? Is that the publisher nudging them in that direction, or is that just the greed oftentimes, of
2: man? Or? Oftentimes, you get nudged in that direction, and then the greed of man takes over.
1: Everyone's a teeny tiny bit of a bastard, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. Which is exactly the same in a law firm, or an accounting firm, or any other business.
2: Right, well, exactly. I mean, and the thing with the music business is that you have to work within all of those. You need a lawyer, you need an accountant, you need... Tom, Dick, Harry, Peter, Jane, and Paul. like These people who cover all of these different aspects of your career. But it's all, a, it's all like a, a shark pool. It's a shark pool. That, that dog really, eat dog. Yeah, and really, all I want to do is make this music. I just want to make this music and be able to, be able to connect with this audience and be able to trust what you're telling me. Like, that I'll be able to trust that you have my best interests at heart. And that's very rare.
0: You know, it's funny when you go back and you think of something like Sun Records He did what Johnny Cash, Elvis. it's like, you know, fuck this, you know, you you could take the point of view, this guy was just incredible at discovering people. You could also take the point of view, there's a shitload of talent out there and if you've got a good ear, you can pick up the good ones, you know, and you can put them together and you can make them.
2: But then then like, someone like Elvis, okay, Elvis is, is rated as the greatest rock and roll star of all time and we could debate that. Yeah. But, look at someone like Elvis or the Jackson family or whoever it is, these super successful artists, they've all been so controlled and managed. None of them were ever really free. If you look at even like Mariah Carey who, who married Tommy Mottola, so she's in this bubble mm. where her, her major success was while she was being controlled within this bubble. And once she broke out of that, the success, she's been successful, but never the artist that she was. You know, Michael Jackson's a bit different. the like, you know, but... Even Elvis was the same. His, his manager was in control of every aspect of his career while he was really Elvis through the 50s and the 60s. And that's not much has changed now. There's, you, you, you may see the face of the artist out front, but there's always a machine that has to push it. And then you, without knowing, you don't know if that artist is actually in control of their business or they're being controlled and just being put out at the front. If you look at someone like Britney Spears, who was so amazingly successful, but then what happened with her losing control of her ability to control her own destiny and her own wealth? Now, maybe at some point she may have needed that, but when, when do you allow them to take back their life? Why, did, why does it take the so The problem
1: long? is a lot of them are so young, aren't they? Yeah. Like when, you know, if you get superstardom at kind of 17 or 16, yeah. like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And so you allow somebody to control you and then how do you, as you, you know, become the person you are, how do you but that's get that my, that's, control That's back? what I
2: mean. When, when, you, when you allow someone to control you, and I, and I get that, but if you get a manager, you want your manager to handle all of that for you. You don't want to have to be concerning yourself with all of that stuff because your manager's there to do it. But how much faith can you then have? Okay, I'm 17, but now I'm 25, 26, 28, and I'm looking back thinking... A lot of that stuff wasn't done with my intentions at the center. It was done with. You He's
1: know, got a new car. Have yeah, I.
2: yeah, yeah. You know, so that's that's the bit about the industry. I've always. I've I mean, isn't really that enjoyed. the
0: nasty cross section between art and money? It's always going to be an. Uncomfortable yeah, and I journey. mean, we're t-
2: we're talking about music, but I guess you could apply it to anything. Well, I mean, the controlling is
0: really complex, isn't it? Because. You know, maybe that's what sells. So if you're in a business together and we and say you were good at doing drawings or something and we sold one and then it'd be like, oh, you know, I want to do these other drawings over here. It's like, no, no, no. People like the drawings of the, you
2: know. See, that's part of the problem though, man. That's where I say the business and the art get messed up because I don't, I'm talking for me personally, I can't speak for anyone else, but I wouldn't want to be, and I wouldn't allow myself to be put in a position where. I have to keep remaking the same thing over and over and over because it sold the first time.
1: Yeah. And presumably that's diminishing returns anyway because it will sell less each time. Yeah, each time it will sell less. And and and
2: like the marketplace will tell you that. But oftentimes, like you just said, like um, people put out stuff because it sells. Actually, if you're controlling what you're putting out, then you're controlling what sells rather than free up the marketplace and let the people decide. Here's our our batch of creativity for this year. You tell us what you like, rather than the record label saying, well, you know, this album of yours did really well, we want something that sounds like that. Or that person who's your competitor, they made an album that sold really well, we want you to make an album that sounded like theirs. That's for me, is horrible.
0: (laughs) I mean, nowadays it feels like, you know, it's so easy to be able to express yourself, and I mean the software is ridiculous now. So you can do it all yourself. So you can just be as creative as you want. Uh, uh, you know, you might make the mistake of trying to make something that you think that sells rather than just following your heart and making something that you like. You know, but it's a sort of it, there's just so much out there. So there's just this sort of saturation. If I say it a different way, it's like. I have this silly theory. It's like, look, if you want to work down the sewer, you should get 200 pounds an hour because it's a shit job. Nobody wants to do it. And you could be like, fuck, I need some money. I'm going to go work down the sewers and then be like, fair enough.
1: I think it should be slightly more than 200 pounds an hour. Pick seems... a number. It yeah. should
0: be a lot of money, you know. And then you'd say, well, I want to be a rock star. And you say, well, that's a penny penny a week. You know, it's like everyone wants to do it. My point is, is, you know, it's so incredibly hard to make a living in it because it sort of should be because we all want to do it.
2: We all want to do it. It is hard to build a career or even know that you're, you're able to have a career. But so, and again, that goes back to the artistry of it. People who do this thing, like, and I don't just mean make music, I mean, you know, paint pictures or, you know, whatever it is you do for a living. I think one of the most important things you should do is like it. You, like, you, sh- you need to like it. And, and if you like it and you have a passion for it, then you're going to push through those walls that are. That are either purposely set or just you know part of the process part of the journey but you're going to push through them because your passion will get you there but if you're, if you're only doing this because you know you saw your favourite rapper on team with, on, on the TV with a gold chain that you really liked and you want one like that you probably ain't going to make it to the finish line unless you get really lucky. Also, do
0: we have to make money? I mean, my big thing with friends and stuff is like, there is no better therapy. If you like making music, if that brings you sense in the world, you know, you can be on your own. Unlike an actor you've got to do on a stage, sure, performing's great, but you can make music on your own and just listening to it back is. So for me, it's like
1: step one therapy. Should we address the whole Spotify thing
2: and streaming? I think definitely serves a purpose now. There's no putting the genie back in the book you know my things one of the things that bothers me okay because I'm a simple accountant this company is losing half
0: a billion a year yeah
1: you're not a simple accountant you've got to a weird account. Yeah. Up.
0: I'm a weird yeah, account. big
2: yourself up Od-
0: odds bro. international account <laughs> anyway it's losing half a billion a year okay that's a lot of money and there's the argument is there's all these people they're fucking the artists now I, I'm just simple. It's like, well, they ain't getting fucking rich. There may be some people earning big salaries, okay? And that may, that was one of the arguments someone gave me. Wow, so-and-so is on half a million quid and he's running the company. It's like, I mean, what would you want me to say? You know, uh, um, it's not perfect, but it is a marketing tool now. But until it's making lots of money, I mean, this has just been a key theme I've just seen a lot of, a lot of times, and I've often been on both sides of the fence or seen it, is that... The, the general perception, another example is Taylor Swift. You know, Taylor Swift was plucked from obscurity when she was 16 years old by this guy, I forget his name of, who made her. I mean, this guy made her. No fucking doubt yeah, about and it. And it
2: happens often. And,
0: and, and when he was 35 or he got four, Well, how, I don't know how old he was. She was 35, 10, 15, 20 years later when he was all successful it was about five mm. years ago. Because They asked me to comment on it as a tack. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But... The, the, he she he had all these, um, all the publishing, all the rights, he had owned loads of stuff, but he paid for everything. And she's a super fucking famous star. And he sold the company to someone she hated, yeah? So she went apeshit and on a social media started a hate campaign against him. He had death threats, he had things through the door. And he'd done, in my world, he'd done nothing wrong. And and the attitude of the public, and that's what I was asked to quote on the article, which is I really struggle with. Is like, oh poor Taylor Swift and being
2: fucked over by our management. And I was like, hold the fucking line. I think oftentimes, I think oftentimes that is the um, the narrative that everyone's been fucked over, yeah. and that's not always true. Like I've got friends who have, who've been accused of bad business yeah. because they were able to make lots of money, and that ain't bad not business. Not bad in that's itself, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't. You didn't. St- you didn't steal the money. And
1: if he fucked somebody over to do it, different. then that's yeah.
2: bad. Yeah, like well, how how he made his money was he ran his label, he made money from everybody on the label, and they all made a bit of money that he got a piece of. So in the end, he's got more money than all yeah. of you. But that don't mean he fucked any of you. And yeah. He was just running his business. That can make you enemies in and of itself, which to me is ridiculous. There's, there's a difference between being ripped off and someone doing good business. And and you have to recognize the fact that most people are going to be self-serving. Like, you know, I'm not going end into a deal that I'm getting nothing out of that you're going to eat out of for the next hundred years. You are very jealous too. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was the NWA story. I, you know, I watched the film. It's amazing. You know, I love that film. i watched it hundreds of times. But then I just got bothered about this narrative about the guy. So I decided to look it up. It turns out the Jewish guy that gets all the shit in the film he died a couple of years after the film. Trying to, sue, he killed him basically, his friends say, because the re, it's exactly what Who's you. Who's Jerry said. Heller? Jerry Heller. I met Jerry. Any exactly what you said. The reason that um I I like what it was what they did. So it was the company and the money was put up by EZE. So his company got half. Then basically the the artist gets the other half. And he explained it very simply. It's all the stuff we know. And then Ice T, Te- not Ice Ice Cube got like, he wrote the lyrics of these, but he was one of the MCs. So he ended up, and he didn't write the music. So 50% went to Dre of the half, and then he would get a, a third or half or sometimes a lot of the other 50%. But he'd end up with a much smaller slice than the rest of them. And that's and he was like, everyone was accounted for. Everything was done, and he got angry about it. Yeah, and see, that's, I
2: think, I think from, yeah, the re- from the research that I've done, I agree with everything you just said. The, the only thing I would say is that for Ice Cube, he did a lot more of the writing than he gets credit for and i think and i think that's where a lot of his issues are is that some of nwa's biggest tunes he actually wrote them he wrote the words for the other mcs to rap right right like and, in the film like in the film so if with that in mind then actually he should have got a bigger share of the publishing yeah and i mean the argument He's probably, he's probably the most liked member of NWA as an MC. He was, the, he was the one that everyone thought was the best MC. But if you only wrote the same amount as everyone else, you only get the same as everyone else. But if you wrote everyone else's lyrics too, then you deserve to get more.
0: Yeah. Well, I was about to say another thing of your story. It's like, fucking someone give me a record that's been correctly done. I mean, it's so hard well, to get what? right.
2: You know what the NWA thing goes back to, to kind of what I said earlier about Friends just... Not being friends anymore. Jerry Heller was Easy E's manager. Yeah, he was an NWA's manager. Yeah, yeah. NWA were then signed to Ruthless Records, which was Easy E's. Mm. So it was a lot of ways. Jerry Heller had this information. He shared it with his artist. The only person who he works for is Easy E. Yeah. Easy E then took that information to the other guys, and with this new knowledge, and said, "I'm signing all you guys." He didn't say, "You know what? Here's this new knowledge." this is how we can do it so we can all be successful. He said, I know a way I can put this money under my cap now. From being a young artist to who I am now, um, take things for granted. I've signed things that I regret signing. And as I sit here now, I would say, sort out your paperwork.
0: And Did you, when you signed things you regretted, did you read
2: them and not understand them? I, 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 again, this is going back to what I said earlier. Me, me putting faith in other people to have my best interests at heart. And and, and, it's, and it's not always necessarily the fact that they tried to cheat me. It's just the fact that they didn't know any better than I did. Would you say
0: to a client, because I would, I, I try and say, read the fucking thing.
1: Yes. And I, it drives me mad when clients rely on me to have read it. Because I've read it and I understand it, but I don't know that it's what they want unless it's, they... It, read yeah, it. but it's not worded
2: it. in a contract as well. Like, like layman's terms, please, like... How many years did you spend at university to learn how to read those contracts and actually understand? Actually, that-
1: none of them because I did ancient Greek at university. So oh, I didn't great. learn how to read a No, But all, all you need
2: to know about a contract, a British
0: contract, definitions at the start, and then you've got to read. It's really slow to read, it's just hard work, and you've got to read that. And you're, the sentence won't make any sense, but then you've got to look up. Well, what's that word? You look up the definition. You got. and it and and it often they're bad contracts that so they're badly written. Ugh. But you should be able, and to you work, won't understand work it, it all. Yeah. But you you will read sentences that will say you are going to give all of your money to the other bandmate. Basically, you work out or something. And you're like, what the fuck is this clause? But it's hard work. It is hard work.
1: The most successful contracts, the most successful deals, are ones where everybody feels like they didn't quite get what they wanted. Right. Like. You know, if there's one Eternal person... frustration. No, but if there's one person Who that feels they overly got happy, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm
2: yeah. over the moon with this contract. It gave me everything I needed, but then everyone else is a bit Then you somebody upset. else. Yeah. Everybody
1: else is really, really pissed off. But if everybody's like a tiny bit pissed off, you've got a perfect contract, right? I have to say, contracts are
0: the uh, an uncomfortable truth of business. You know, they, they, and particularly music, you probably do need to sort your paperwork out because it is very Ain't no
2: probably about it, bro. Sort the paperwork out. You know, it will come back to haunt you if you don't sort out the paperwork. Yeah. And and we were talking about, you know, artistry and creativity uh, earlier. You know, if you want to if you wanna mess up your artistry and creativity, be fretting about what's going to come and get you through the post next week. Like, sort it out from day dot, and you don't have to worry about that anymore.
1: And in, in business in general, you'll say to people, you know, this is never going to happen, but we just... Let's just provide for, you know, what you would do in that scenario. And then if it ever comes up, you just turn to the page and you know what to do, right? But people are so often, are oh, just save money by, you know, gentleman's agreement, we'll just shake hands and blah, blah, blah. And then six years later, they're like, why did you let me do that? Business
0: Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. We're going to do like short and punchy, five second rule, quick answers, yeah? Five um, second rule. Yeah, okay. as in oh, right. you've
1: got five seconds, to, you can five have seconds. a little bit longer. Oh, oh, I'm now.
0: not going to interrupt, I might interrupt.
1: Andy will interrupt. I, I No, Andy <laughs> really. will. Uh, so we're going to
0: get to know you a little bit better and uh, we're just going to, you know, whip through some questions, DQ the music. Go for it.
1: What was your first job?
2: Newspaper round. Very nice. What was your worst job? Um, I used to do agency work in a, in a bottling factory. Horrible. Uh, favourite subject at school? I, I was a middling kind of student, but I, I guess I enjoyed PE the most. Outside playing British Bulldog or something.
1: <laughs> Were you good <laughs> at English? Forgotten about
2: I was, I was Yeah, I was alright at most subjects. I wasn't terrible at anything, but um, I wasn't a particularly great fan of school generally either. Yeah. So. yeah, it's mixed. Yeah, I could do a bit of all of it.
1: What, what's your special skill other than rapping?
2: Special skill other than record. Um being able to take criticism and, oh, and, nice. and, and being able to talk quite straightly, like not feeling the need to sugarcoat stuff, which a lot of people may not like, but um, I think often in life you need to be told yeah. straight.
0: I think sitting in front of a sign that says business without bullshit, that's well said. Do
2: you know what Algorithm, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true indeed. Oftentimes you, you, you take criticism as motivation rather than shrinking into a corner. You're like, okay. Okay. I'll show you. Yeah, I'm going to show you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not something I get upset about. And plus, being in the music business, you get criticized so often for what you consider to be your greatest yeah, work. Yeah, And people will tell you it has no real value to them. But you have to be prepared to Yeah, I wasn't
0: that. feeling it. I hate that. Yeah,
2: sentence. I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I, you know. Didn't do anything. No, nah, I didn't really get it. And you're like, but listen to the wordplay yeah. and the structure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, you get, you get quite used to that. Then but you then you, then it motivates you. And then you do some shit song and they think it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of happens too.
0: <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: Um, I had no idea. Honestly, had no idea. Being in the music industry and being an artist didn't seem very realistic. It wasn't something that I even really thought about, to be honest. Um, it was more about getting a good job to please my mum.
1: Which leads us on to the what did your parents want you to be when you grew
2: up? Anything successful, like lawyer, doctor, architect, like all the world. They're all, what, all shit they're all Yeah, boring now. as hell. I was never going to be any <laughs> of those things. But that that's what she wanted. I mean, I was her last son. She she, she rustled up the money to send me to private school. Uh, you know, she she did everything she could. You went to private school? For, for three years. No way, really? And then I demanded, demanded to be taken out. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't take it anymore, and
1: was it the uniform?
2: <laughs> partly, the uniform was horrible. I had like a blue and yellow striped tie, and like yeah. uh, it was terrible, it was terrible. I love this
0: next question for Rodney. What's your go-to karaoke song?
2: Would you believe that I've never done karaoke in my life? Oh and oh, we have a karaoke. There's, no for
1: there's that. Literally, one yeah. literally one next door.
2: Um <laughs> if you provide me with more liquor, I'll be more than happy. But um no, I've never done karaoke before, but it would be something soulful, something by Stevie Wonder or I can see that. You know, something that. real energetic and upful that you'd want to dance to. So you'd just, just you singing at this along. crowded. A bit of Lionel Richie. Yeah, a yeah, bit of Lionel Richie, that'd do it, you know. Like yeah. Something like that. Can you sing? Hell (laughs) no.
0: Streaming platforms, business or bullshit?
2: I come from a generation where we used to actually make money from selling the actual actual vinyl product, and you could calculate how much you were earning. So streaming streaming services to me seem like absolute bullshit. Like, where's the money gone? But then I know there's a whole generation of young people who say they've discovered global audiences off the back of streaming services. So I would say, they would say it's probably good business. Um, I kind of sit in the middle.
1: Have you ever been fired?
2: Yeah. So you don't know this, but I actually got fired from the group that I was in. Really? London Posse. Yeah, Did you? I got fired.
1: Did they sit you down and say it's time to go? or?
2: Sort of, yeah.
0: Sort of. That's what harsh. were you doing? We were being wild child.
2: No, 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 not at all. I, th- I think it was a very snakish move, actually. See, this I've never, ever, ever told this story before. The group had kind of like had had, had had done its thing. Um, we had kind of gone our separate ways, and then we were offered um, a record deal by Tricky. I don't know if you know Tricky. He's yeah, a yeah. Bristol artist, actually. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And he offered us a record deal. And because I knew Tricky, but Bionic didn't really know him. So I put this, I sorted this, this stuff out, put it on the table. We, we were paid our advance and all of that stuff. And then I went to Thailand, waiting for everything else to be sorted out. And um, I went to Thailand for like two weeks. I ended up staying like three months. And then, and then when I came back, I was called to a, a meeting in the Chelsea Harbour Hotel. And in that meeting, I was told that actually... We're we're changing the direction. <laughs> yeah, you were changing it's not the direction. Me, it's you. Yeah, there's, you know, there's we're we're bringing in some other people in your place. And um, yeah, you're out.
0: Then what then what happened? It just died anyway. Well,
2: what had happened was I actually already had a, a, a solo deal in place that I had put on hold to do like it was gonna be like London Posse's Last Hoorah. Let's get back together and do this thing. We can make this new album, it'd be amazing. And I put my solo deal on hold to do that. So when this happened, and I'd already been feeling a bit uncomfortable within the situation, I knew that this wasn't playing out the way I, I had expected it to. When it happened, I was it actually released me because they didn't know that I was already in a situation myself. So I walked out of the door thinking, okay, I'll go, I'll go back and fulfill my contract. And it was also, this makes me sound like a dickhead, <laughs> but it was also good to watch everything on that side fuck up. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you basically stood back and watched them implode? Yeah.
2: Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah it was cool. So it was, and, and i have to stress, my advance had already been paid and the cheque had already cleared. So I ain't giving it back. So <laughs> that was all cool. So I still had a, a, a fair piece of the pie.
1: That's fairly swift karma,
2: by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. You also have to remember in London, Posse, I was also the youngest. Oh, were you? I was also the youngest. So... Early days, I was the quieter one. I was definitely the quieter one. But as time passed, I became more vocal, definitely. And I think, I think that may have been part of the problem, the fact that I'm, I'm not here you to just... You stopped being the kid. Yeah, I'm not here to just agree with other people's opinions. I actually have one.
0: So. Bloody hell, I started talking back. Oh. I know, Cyril, we've got to get rid of him immediately. <laughs> yeah, to a degree, yeah. Uh, what's your
2: vice? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can pick one. <laughs> well, well, I mean I am mr mucky weekend. Like so I've over the years I've had a few vices. You're Mr. Mucky Weekend, is it? Mr. Right? Mucky Weekend. There's a song by the Dub Pistols called Mucky Weekend. The IRO. Um and this is one of those Google Me moments. Yeah, yeah. You can look it up, um and it is, it is pretty much an autobiography of what most weekends were like. OK,
1: so we just got to Google that and we'll If you Google it. that,
2: you're, you're, yeah, you're, okay. you'll get a clearer understanding of, of where I've been over the years. But that was, again, I can't say that was me forever. That was a window of who I was. Very mucky weekends. <laughs>
0: That's it. Thanks, Rodney. You've been absolutely brilliant. Is there anything you want to pitch or tell anyone about?
2: Um, You know what? Yeah, I've got a busy year coming. You can check me on my Instagram, you can check me on my Spotify, you can check me on my Bandcamp. Rather than checking me on Spotify, I'd rather you check me on my Bandcamp because Bandcamp actually offers you the opportunity to pay me some money. So I I set a really low price. But the money will come directly to me rather than me having to wait. Like, if I say, "Can you pay me one pound fifty for this song?" I don't know how many thousands, maybe millions, of streams I would have to get to yeah. earn that from Spotify. So I'd rather you check me on Bandcamp. But 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 feel free to check me on Spotify too. It's at RodneyP_UK on Instagram. I have new music coming out constantly. Andy knows that. Um, and I have a huge back catalogue so feel free to go and check it out fantastic
0: Uh, so there you have it that was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit and we'll be back oh thank you Pippa thanks Rodney thanks Dee. and we'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday until then it's ciao